Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And it seems like people have been very quiet about this, but according to everybody who's actually there, who's watching practice, who see what's going on, Chase Claypool has looked pretty good this year. As a matter of fact, I was listening to one of the other Great Bears podcasts out there. Greg Braggs Jr. has been talking about this as Chase Claypool has kind of been outperforming a lot of the guys. I don't want to say who or anything like that. I, again, I haven't witnessed it firsthand, but a lot of the reports coming in say that Chase Claypool has been performing very well. And it's obviously very early. We haven't seen him in a game yet, and there's a long ways to go. But these kind of things are very encouraging, especially for anybody, you know, as a Bears fan who has to sit here and wear it because we gave up the first pick in the second round for Chase Claypool, which I think ultimately is going to end up being looked upon as a pretty good move, that it's going to end up being something that was beneficial for the Bears as long, and again, it doesn't come down to what Chase Claypool's numbers are. If it helps Justin Fields develop as a passer and as a quarterback, it is going to be a beneficial trade. This is the kind of thing that we need to see out of the Chicago Bears, and it is something that we're going to be talking about here in just a matter of moments because we'll be talking about the depth chart and how much different the wide receiver depth chart looks from the depth chart that we went into camp with last year. So at the very least, that is a huge upgrade. So it's encouraging to see what Chase, you know, you know, Chase Claypool is doing well when the internet memes have stopped, when the jokes have stopped and all that stuff, but let the haters hate. We got a game on Sunday, Saturday, excuse me, but listen, we got so much to get to. So Sammy, why don't we go ahead and start the show? Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Adam Ray. Trying to cut it back. Justin Fields making magic happen. There goes Fields. Touchdown. The Sickest Chicago Bears and Fantasy Football Podcast. Brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. It's Tuesday night. You know what that means. It is time for Take It to the Rank. Another great show in store for you tonight. Our friend Brendan Chagru will be joining us once again. We'll talk about what he saw at Bears camp here on Tuesday. We can look forward to the game on Saturday against the Tennessee Titans. And just a quick programming note, we'll be joining you live, uh, the Sick Podcast, and our friends over with the Tennessee Titans podcast as well. We're going to be talking about that Bears and Titans games, going over some of the highlights immediately after that contest ends. Of course, you could watch that nationally on the NFL network. And of course, locally uh, check your local listings, I guess I should say, but, in ca- but at first, in case you uh, missed it, and I'm sure that you didn't, 
Uh, Yannick Ngakwe is now a member of the Chicago Bears. He's finally here. Very happy about that. The Bears' unofficial depth chart is out, which is great. A couple of things of note. Valus Jones is ahead of Dante Pettis, which is huge right now. On the defensive side of the football, Travis Gibson is fourth string. Kindle, uh, Kindle Vidor is almost off the depth chart. Two guys that we counted on to be starters last season are now on the bubble, it seems. If, if you're to believe the depth chart and uh, what it means right now at this point of the season, like there is, there is, uh, there's some, some nervous time for those two fellas. Obviously, a lot of training camp left to uh, get yourself back into the rotation. But here, let's talk about all that stuff because uh, this is one of our favorite guys and we've had him on multiple times. He's an assistant editor with the Bears Wire. He is one of the co-hosts, one of the, uh, the one of our favorite podcasts, the Bear Down Chicago Pod. Love going on with those guys. I think every single one of them has been on now. If not, uh that is my that is my fault. And uh, Brendan can uh, can can check in with that, but uh, he he's also most most notably, he is our second favorite second favorite saxophone player in the world. We'll ask him who our first is. Uh but please welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show our friend Brendan Chagru. How are you? How you living? up adam i am living good as our friend and guest on this show jack wright has said it's beginning to feel a lot like football i mean yes you you could not have asked for a better day in chicagoland today just the beautiful breeze football's in the air literally and figuratively so my my juices are flowing so i'm really excited how are you doing i'm doing really well i was going to tell you again you're my second favorite saxophone player of all time you're behind (laughs) Kirk Pengilly. Do you, do you even know who Kirk Pengilly is? I don't. And I actually do know like a lot of saxophone players out there. So this one, this one surprises me. He was the uh, saxophone guy for in excess. If you ever noticed, okay. NXS incorporated a lot of horns because Kirk could play uh, the saxophone, obviously, but I have you ahead of Rob Lowe. I don't know if Rob Lowe is an actual saxophone player or if he just played it in a, one of those movies in the nineties, but I'm like, well, <laughs> I like you more than him, but uh, I, I'm worse. We're, we're very excited to uh to have you here we did see that you're out at training camp and uh, i guess we'll start with the wide receiver position because i'm really curious about this you heard me talking about chase claypool at the top of the show but what are your early impressions of dj Moore? because it seems like everything out of bears camp right now is dj Moore and the incredible things that he's doing on the field what were your impressions yeah, those those all of the news, all of the reports, they are warranted. He's he's the guy. I mean, he's the trusted connection that Fields has now. You've seen it both in individual drills and team practices. I'll give you an example today. They open up one-on-one drills. DJ Moore's going up against Tyreek Stevenson, just easily obliterates him for like a little double move in the corner of the end zone, catches it gets the feed in right away and that starts one-on-ones and that gets the fans going, that gets the offense going. And you can just see that fields trusts him to make those tough catches in traffic. It's I've said, it's like easy pitch and catch. Like no matter what DJ Moore is coming down with the ball, he's got strong hands, whether a corner is draped all over him fields is already trusting that we you've heard the reports. I've heard the reports when I haven't been able to be there and I can say it's definitely backed up. Like DJ Moore is the easily top wide receiver on this team. I think he's the best wide receiver that the Bears have had since Brandon Marshall. Right. I think he's a better route runner than Brandon Marshall. But just, I mean, he's he's the real deal. He really is. I think he's he's jolting this offense in a big way. I got in a lot of trouble. I was on some podcasts, and I, I think it was Taylor Dahl's podcast, and 
I said that DJ Moore is better than Stefan Diggs, and I will still die Ooh. on this hill. Is that a, is that a, did I bite off a little bit? Did I bite off too much? Is this like my first time to Bortillo's and I got the double dip Italian beef? And I you shouldn't start off. You shouldn't take that big of a swing. I think it's accurate because I don't think that the DJ Moore's had the benefit of playing with some of the quarterbacks that Stefan Diggs has been able to play with in his NFL career. I will die on that hill. But uh, is that too rich for your blood? No, I think you, you kind of push the boundary just a little bit there because Stefan Diggs really took that big step with Josh Allen when he went there in 2020. I mean, we talk about what Stefan Diggs has done for Josh Allen. Look what Josh Allen has done for Stefan Diggs. If you compare their careers kind of like the first five years or so between Stefan Diggs and DJ Moore, they're pretty much the same. Diggs just has a little more touchdowns. Um, we know that DJ Moore doesn't find the end zone or didn't when he was with Carolina. Right. And we like even with Kirk Cousins, when Stefan Diggs was there, Kirk Cousins, a, I'll say a good passer. He's a really good quarterback. DJ Moore has not had that consistent passer in Carolina. So I don't think it's that much of a stretch, really. I, I think that's OK. And I, I do think that not only DJ Moore is going to elevate Fields, I think Fields is going to elevate DJ Moore, too. And Stephon Diggs obviously had the signature moment in the NFL. He had the walk-off touchdown against the Saints in the playoffs in that, I mean, one of the most incredible plays that I've seen, like just watching that unfold, I can still remember it to this day. And I think that kind of helps him. Now, I'm not, I, this isn't a shot at Stephon Diggs. I always love it because fans get so into their feelings. Like, so you think he sucks. And you're like, no, I'm not saying that he sucks. Like, it's not. It's not like it's not about that. It's just like I just think that somebody could be better, or they're, they're both very good. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of something too. I was putting together my tier rankings for fantasy football, and I'm like, oh, I think Jalen Hurts is kind of a tier below guys like uh, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, and even uh, Josh Allen because he's not going to run for 13 touchdowns. And again, the Eagle fans get all up into their feelings. And since I'm talking about this, I got this. This is a fine point, a fine time to point out that the easiest way. You'll, you'll be you'll be amazed to know, Brendan. Uh, the easiest way to play fantasy football is with underdog fantasy. I'm surprising Sammy now, too. I'm just throwing this out of the blue. Uh, but it's so easy to get started. Just go to underdogfantasy.com, or even better yet, go down and download the app. You want the app on your phone because it'll give you all the player news as it happens. Roshan Johnson upgraded from questionable to healthy, things like that. It shows up on your phone. It's a great way to get started. And if you go in right now, and if you're a first-time user, Use the promo code SICK and Underdog Fantasy will match your initial deposit up to $100. And the great thing, too, is I know a lot of people always want to take me on in fantasy football. We're going to give you that opportunity this season. We're going to have uh, some leagues set up to where you can go mano a mano against me. You've been sitting here talking, not you, but like all the other people out there, whoever wanted to come after the big dog, the big fella, uh, you know what? That's fine. We're going to go out there. We're going to give you an opportunity to take your shot at me. Just go to underdogfantasy.com or download the app and get that started. So, and DJ Moore uh, is somebody that I will be picking in fantasy. But Chase Claypool really interests me because I've noticed, like, Greg, uh, Greg Braggs has been one, not, not a hater, but skeptical of the trade, and it's completely done a 180. What did you see out of Chase Claypool? What do you think about his progress so far? Uh, what did you make of him out on the field? I really think he's been the king of camp overall. Now Woo! I didn't see too much today, unfortunately. And I was I was a little I was I was really excited to see his progress because I've been at camp a few days. I saw I think it was like the first or second day. He had some great passes, 
great catches and individual drills, just really beating his defender and comeback routes and over the middle. So, and knowing that he's been building up and building up and not only as a player and being more of a trusted connection with fields as that can, as that chemistry has grown, but just as a leader, I was so happy to hear that he was kind of taking on Eddie Jackson on Saturday's practice yeah. after he took exception to a late hit because the defense has been chirping. Defense mm-hmm. has been talking a lot. They've been, and they've, you know, for a reason, they've been backing up their play. They've been giving the offense fits. And so the fi- the offense finally came back and bit back. And Chase Claypool was one guy that said, I'm not going to take this anymore. So not only just the fact that he's performing on the field, he's he's got those. Uh, I said it with DJ Moore. I think Chase Claypool does, too. He's got these strong hands, holds onto the ball, even when guys are trying to knock it out. But just the fact that you can feel that, that he's growing as a leader. Um, the thing that I, my favorite thing I saw from him today was 20 minutes after practice, he and Equinemia St. Brown are still catching deep balls over the shoulder passes from the jugs machine. He's waiting around for the kids. Like he's doing, he's putting in the extra work and I'm taking note of that because I'm sure as you've seen the reports right before camp, maybe he's not the hardest worker. Maybe his mind's elsewhere. I, that is, I think that's so far from the truth and everything that we've seen on the field backs that up. So um, I'm, I'm really happy with what I've seen so far. And I've, I had a controversial take over the weekend. I said, I think Claypool is inching up towards that wide receiver two over Mooney. Now Mooney had a little more, Mooney did have a few more targets today. So perhaps Justin Fields saw that and said, nah, I got to get my guy Darnell going, but he's a, he's really making a statement and I'm really happy to see it because that trade has been panned by a lot of people. Of course, when you're giving up the 32nd overall pick, you want to get a lot in return for that. And so far in camp, we're, we're seeing that this could be a good season, probably, you know, one of the best seasons Claypool's had as a pro. And it really is, a, a, you know, a, when you look at the, the draft, if Chase Claypool was available at, pick 32 this year i always think like okay if they would have drafted chase claypool or a chase claypool type i would have been very happy with it like okay that makes sense we need a lot of receiving help you mentioned you know darnell mooney getting more targets chase claypool getting into the mix you mentioned brandon marshall earlier and i I, when i think of cutler i think of him giving marshall 200 targets as much as we love hearing about the connection with dj Moore, do you get a sense watching practice like all the targets are going to go to DJ Moore, or do you think Chase Claypool and Darnell Mooney are going to get their opportunities as well? It's funny you say that. So right before camp, I was starting to get that worry too, because I think back to the 2012 offense and that was, that was a fun, that was fun at times because Brandon Marshall dominated everybody. He had like 1500 yards, 12 touchdowns. He was an all pro, but nobody else did anything. I think the next closest wide receiver was Earl Bennett with like 400 yards or something. So as we're seeing DJ Moore in OTAs and minicamp, and you just see that he's clearly the best receiver on the field. That was when Chase Claypool had some of that, those nagging injuries. That was when Darnell Mooney was still coming back from his broken ankle. So I started to get that worry too, but now seeing what fields is doing in practice Yes, it's clear DJ Moore is his number one, but he's spreading the ball around too. He's getting Claypool involved. Like I said, he got Mooney involved today. Uh, There were quite a few throws to Tyler Scott too, which I thought were good. Um, And those two actually were uh, connecting quite a bit in team drills. 
So that worries come down quite a bit because I do think that he's, he knows he has the connection in Mooney and he's been ramped up since coming back from that rehab. And like I said, with Claypool doing what he's done in camp, I don't feel that way anymore, thankfully, because yeah, that's a, that's a legit concern. And your offense is going to be fun for a bit. If you're going to throw like, you know, 150 targets and just pepper one guy with, uh, with passes, but you're not going to go too far. If not, if the rest of the receiving core can't do it. Yeah, it's really one of those things. I remember that fantasy football season of having Brandon Marshall there and having all the targets, and it was great. I think that was the year. I think it was Manning's first year in Denver. If I I think those collided. And because Manning had, what, 37 touchdown passes that year. I drafted him in like the 12th round because nobody wanted him, which, by the way, another little quick fantasy tip of like everybody and Hard Knocks is starting this evening. Anybody who's sleeping on Aaron Rodgers, we know as well as anybody, like you guys stop, not us, not you, but like, stop doubting Aaron Rodgers. Like he's going to go out there and he's going to put up, you piss him off more because I'm drafting him in fantasy. He's going to put up an MVP like season. He won't win it because Patrick Mahomes is now that guy who automatically gets kissed into the MVP as long as he plays 17 games. But it's one of those things like I, it, it tickles me, but I do remember that year with Marshall and how amazing it was. And I think that what I will probably be doing in the next couple of days is going back and and realize, and, and I know a lot of people, because I, like you, had that concern with DJ Moore. But then I remembered like, oh yeah, his receivers in college were Chris Olave. We're talking about Justin Fields, of course. Chris Olave, Jackson Smith and Jigba, not Jameson. It was Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson. Uh, yep. Yeah, it's like, I think all those guys ate that year. Because if, if I'm not mistaken, Wilson and... Wilson and uh, Alave both had double-digit touchdowns, and then Jackson Smith and Jigba had like a hundred receptions. Like he spread it out pretty evenly to where it should give you a lot of. Uh, you should be comfortable with him being able to find some of the guys. You mentioned Tyler Scott a moment ago. What did you see? Like we we're we're big we're big Tyler Scott fans here. We uh, we might even be the Tyler Scott show of record. But how did he look? What's been what What's the news? How's he? I know that we we spent a lot of this. Our our showrunner Anello was 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 hitting you up in the in the in the green room. I'm like Anello, we got to save this for the show. So I'm sorry if you're repeating it. I forget what we talked about, but uh, how is Tyler Scott look? That's all right. And you guys, I think you were the first interview. I think since he came on the Bears, so I I recognize we that as you were the OG podcast to have him on. So I you know I have respect for that. But look, Tyler Scott is a frustrating player in the sense that. He is beating his guys off the line consistently. His footwork is immaculate, I'll say. And he's just able to, you know, put double moves on defenders, put them on their cleats. He had in one-on-one drills today, did the same thing to Jalen Johnson, the Bears' top corner. And Jalen's had a pretty good camp, I'll say. But he puts him on the ground, and all he has to do is catch the ball, and he drops it. So Tyler Scott has had, you know, case of the drops for much of training camp. He's had obviously some big moments. He's had some deep balls earlier in camp. So at first glance, when I was watching practice, I'm like, hey, here we go again. We're going to see another another, uh, interesting performance from Tyler Scott. But he rebounded really nicely, especially in team drills. He had uh, a pass coming across the middle. I think – I can't remember if it was Justin Fields or P.J. Walker. I thought it was P.J. Walker. It could have been Fields. But regardless – Scott gets the pass across the middle, turns up field, and goes all the way to the end zone, even when defenders stop chasing him. And I love those effort plays from guys because you you know you play how you practice. You yeah. go until you know there's no more daylight left. He takes it all the way, makes sure he gets to the end zone. He had a really nice catch 
in the two-minute drill. This one definitely from Fields. I thought it was his best catch. He kind of had to adjust to the ball a little bit, make like an awkward-looking catch as the offense was trying to go downfield to stop the clock to kick a game-expiring field goal. So things like that give me hope because he's finding space. He's getting open. He just has to consistently bring the ball in. But I'm really excited for him. I think that he's definitely going to be a weapon for this year. And I think it's the perfect opportunity for him because he's playing behind more Claypool Mooney. He's not expected to be this, you know, 800 yard receiver. I think if he, if he gives you like 400, 500 yards, max a couple touchdowns and becomes a deep threat, that's really good. That that would be phenomenal for his rookie season. Yeah. That's something that we're looking forward to again with the receiver room being the way that it is now, he doesn't, need to come out and have that big role. And I'll also remind people, they thought that Jamar Chase couldn't catch the football during his rookie season. <laughs> and, right. he, and, he, and inexplicably, is like, oh, I, I missed the white stripe on the football. And everybody took that to mean like, this guy forgot how to play football. And I know now that people will go out there and the guys who do not root for the Bears, the, the Lions fans in this jab, like, oh, here's Rank again. He was, first of all, was DJ Moore was better than Stephon Diggs. Now he's saying... Tyler Scott is Jamar. I'm not saying it's Jamar Chase. I'm just saying that sometimes that people can overreact to young players getting adjusted to the NFL. And so, uh, I, we're, we're, again, we're big Tyler Scott guys here, but the guy who we've loved since day one as well, we're also the Bayless Jones Jr. show of record. We are, we're excited. I know it's, it's nervous time, but you've seen him up there. How, how has he looked so far? He's looked okay. Um, Give me I'm better gonna... news. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't lie to you. I mean, I know we're trying to pump up the Bears and everything. Um, he's had his moments. He, he Valus, of course, still has the speed. He has the quickness. Um, I will say his, his special teams drills have looked much better. And I think that's where he's potentially going to make the biggest impact this year. Because, of course, you know, last year he struggled with uh, fumbled punts. He, yeah. he couldn't field them cleanly. Didn't know when to field them either. I have not seen that this year yet, which I think is positive. Now, he, like Tyler Scott, has struggled with drops a little bit right after. So the one-on-one drill I mentioned with Scott, Valus comes right after that, puts a nice move on his defender, maybe not as clean as Scott, but still you know, has space to make a play. Ball goes right off his hands. And it was a little high, but still, you, you kind of, it's, it's similar. It's a similar story between the two. Both have tremendous abilities. They just sometimes struggle with consistently catching the ball. But knowing that Bayless Jones is atop the depth chart for a specialist role, I think is is promising. With Dante Pettis still out, that definitely works in his favor. And I I think this coaching staff really does want to get the most out of him. Um, and now, similar to Scott, Bayless doesn't have to have that pressure on being the what like number two wide receiver last year. And he's also healthy. Last year in camp, he was dealing with some nagging injuries. I believe he missed the first preseason game, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Hasn't had that this year. So um, definitely a positive step in the right direction. But again, still still has issues with the drops. You know, and it's one of those things, too, where I would never want to get rid of somebody too quickly. And I think that ultimately the Bears view him in a similar fashion to the way that a lot of teams are now viewing Cordell Patterson. And what he's able to do and being this multifaceted guy, I, I really hope that Bayless can take advantage of the special teams. I know they've tried Tyler Scott there a couple of times, but I don't want to put guys back there like, well, let's see what he can do because he's talented. Like, no, I want people who know how to do this. And last year, even Bayless, who's had experience with special teams, 
he not only struggled, he cost us games like he did. And I, yep. you know, I, I, I'm not going to run from that. You know, we've all like you make mistakes like it happens that game against Washington. Like that is one of the things that, you know, was unfortunately like I was heartbroken when yeah. that happened. But as long as he can come in and like you said, if he can come in and be that special teams guy and not necessarily always being the guy who's doing returns and all that stuff, but like anything on special teams he can do, as long as he commits to that, he is going to find a way onto this roster and hopefully he can continue to grow. Patterson, it took him some time to really take off and be the player that he is. I think it would be foolish to give up on Bayless. Although we do got to say that you did send this to me and I, I wanted to show everybody. I've not showed anybody this video until now. Uh, I was very thrilled with this when I saw this come. You said this. Sammy, do we have the video of Bayless from camp? If not. Bayless, Adam Rank says hi. I'm telling myself what's happening. <laughs> there he is, my guy, Bayless Jones Jr. Listen, I check in with him from time to time. I know I, I probably annoy him on Instagram. Like, hey, you know, like, how's it going? I actually, <laughs> I actually had encouraging words for him. I actually will check in. Uh, and this has got to annoy the S out of him. Although I remember one time Kyle Long once told me, uh, number one, we appreciate your support. And number two, never name drop. And that no, um, but I was, <laughs> but I, no, he was, uh, he was like, no, he's like, I appreciate that. You were always like, you know, supportive. So I would never, I would never talk to Bayless like the day of the game, but maybe a couple days later, especially yeah. on Tuesday or Wednesday when they're getting ready for practice. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, Hey, you know what? Let's go. Let's get let's attack practice this week. Yeah, or like a bye week or something. Say, yeah, hey, yeah, you, you know, know, hope you're healthy. Hope everything's good. Rooting for you the rest of the season. All of that. So, no, the moment I saw him, I'm like, you know what? I know, I know. Rank's a big fan. I just wanted to give him a little shout. I said, yeah, Adam Rank says hi. So, you know, big smile came across his face. So I'm glad that made your day, and I wanted to send that to you. He didn't trip, so that was cool. Like who? Yeah. He didn't. He didn't do the head cock. <laughs> like who's this person? Um, so we, I, I, you know, it's funny. We're talking about the wide receivers. I do want to talk a little bit about Justin Fields. Now, before you came onto the show, you were saying you had some interesting notes about him. Uh, can you repeat them? Since Anello already took my no, but you said no. One of the things that you said is that the ball looks livelier. Yeah, coming out of his hand. What does that mean? What do you what do you what do you mean by that? I think it's faster. It's it's just it's something. It looks like it's moving more. You know, when you have that quick release and there's not as much hesitancy. I think he's trusting his receivers. He's trusting the scheme. There's not. And some people may disagree. Some people may say like, oh, he's still thinking too much. I saw him doing more than thinking and uh, going back to going to camp last year, a few practices. I didn't see that, whether it was because of his receivers or whether it was because of the system or both. I just, it looked like the ball was coming out of his hands quicker. It was more accurate. He was really, really solid in the short and intermediate game. And I actually thought that last year, that was kind of a weakness for him. He wasn't as accurate throwing those slants or those curls or anything like that. He's trusting where, where his guys are at and what his guys can do. Uh, the biggest issue I saw, and I, it sounds like it's been more of an issue throughout camp, is the deep ball, which, again, surprises me because that was his strength early on in his NFL career as well as coming out of college. He underthrew Darnell Mooney on a deep route down the sideline. It was picked off by Tigreek Stevenson. Stevenson made a good play on the ball. He high-pointed it. Ball was still underthrown. Had there was a little bit of a Jersey tug potentially on chase Claypool and another deep ball couldn't get there either. And then on an equinemia St. Brown deep ball, he just threw it out of bounds. I don't know what was going on. It wasn't intended to go out of bounds. I don't think um, the pocket was flush though. So 
maybe that was that was an issue but yeah th the deep ball just wasn't there today but i was really impressed with what i saw just you know in the short game i just i feel like he's getting his ball he's getting the ball out a lot quicker he's not thinking like i said so it, it's good to see no, you want to see that. I always kind of equate it to where Justin Fields is like one of those golfers that bombs it off the tee, but he really needs to clean it up in the intermediate irons, maybe the short irons, a 60-degree. <laughs> Come hang out. I'll, I'll get you sorted. I'm the exact opposite. And so I am, um, you know, it, it reminds me like a Victor Hovland who, you know, great golfer, but was not well, uh, comparatively to other professional PGA players who was just not good around the greens, who's now really turned that around and has become one of the most proficient guys around the green, which is why he continues to finish top five in all these tournaments. And I think that is the biggest thing for Justin Fields. So if you ever hear of a story or if you have an observation where it's like, ah, the deep ball wasn't there. It's like, all right, well, you can spray the deep ball every once in a while. But as long as he's making those throws and getting the ball, get, getting rid of the ball quickly, I think that's what you want. And I think that's that's the kind of progress that we want from Justin Fields. And it shows that he's working on some of the limitations of his game going to the defensive side of the, actually, you know what? Let me do this. Um, the tackles, how do the tackles look? Because I heard, I saw somebody, I don't know if it was you or one of the other people who was at camp today talking about how Braxton Jones looked pretty good against the bull wash bull rush today. But how did, but how did the tackles look? Yeah, that was, that was me. And I purposely, you know, there's so much to watch at training camp. I'm, I'm sure you've been there. There's so many times, you know, you're trying to like catch everything and, you know, view different positions. And so I made it a point a couple of times. I'm like, I need to see the offensive line, even though they're, they're not in pads. I need to see how these tackles look. So I'm zeroing in on Braxton Jones on one play and he's actually going against Andrew Billings, which I was surprised about. I, you know, he's an interior guy, just a mismatch issue, I guess. And Billings is a big guy. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it, if you've seen him, this he's a massive human being and he just put it on Braxton Jones and he held his own. And of course, knowing that Braxton struggled against the bull rush last year, I was really impressed with that. And I'm like, okay, he's given his quarterback time. He still got pushed back a little bit, but not enough where it impeded the quarterback in any way. Quarterback still had plenty of time to get the ball out. So that was something I took note of. Uh, I did the same thing for Darnell Wright. Once the uh, sides were flipped a little bit, I could, view Darnell a little bit closer. And um, early on, I was not, I don't want to say I wasn't impressed. I just knew there were going to be growing pains. Uh, veteran Terrell Lewis got the best of him a couple times. Uh, he was going around him. He's still getting his feet under him, but you see the ability and you see the, and also I'll just say Terrell Lewis, this was, this was like, you know, a few days ago. So this wasn't this practice, but uh, going into this practice, you see the ability and you see the quickness of his feet and his hands. And you just look at a guy that big and he just did this move. I don't know. He got his like hands out of the way and shifted where he was going to be blocking. And I noted to myself, I'm like, I don't tackles aren't supposed to move like that. They're mm -hmm. not supposed to be that quick and that uh, agile to adjust to what the defense is giving them. But he showed that. And so my biggest thing with Darnell Wright, and I'm sure, you know, the history with bears first round tackles over the last 20 years or so, they have not stayed healthy and yeah. whether it's that they couldn't play or what they, their rookie seasons were lost. And so they never got a chance to develop guys like Mark Colombo, Gabe Karimi and Chris Williams. So my big ask and just, you know, hope with Darnell Wright, no matter what happens is that he just stays healthy because 
We saw with Braxton Jones, those 16 or 17 games, excuse me, last year were paramount to his development. And he knew exactly what he needed to work on. He had some struggles. He gave up a lot of sacks, but he was able to get those reps underneath him and take a huge step in his development. Now, obviously expectations are bigger and higher for Donnell Wright, but if he can just stay on the field and get those reps and get through this rookie season unscathed, no matter how bad it looks at times, I think that's going to be the biggest win of all because you then go into year two, you're not starting from scratch and you know exactly what you need to improve upon. But I mean, I, I, I saw some of those traits today and I was really excited for what I saw. If Ryan Poles has gone out there and locked down the tackle position for the next decade with these first two drafts of his, that is an amazing accomplishment. Probably, you know, we, the quarterback was already settled, hopefully. But having the bookend tackles is something that could really be something to move this team forward. And it's been such an issue for the longest time. You even talk about injuries, like even like Kyle Long, you know, battled through a lot of injuries, had to be kicked inside at some point. I think we always envisioned him being a tackle, but was a was a damn good guard, kind of like what Tevin Jenkins is going through. So, and it, yeah, and you know, Tevin Jenkins, like it feels pretty good. The offensive line feels pretty good. It feels like, you know, again, Carmen and I have talked about this at great length of like having, knowing what the lineup is when they dropped the depth chart today, it wasn't like, oh my God, this guy's the, you know, like, okay, yeah, that's exactly what we expected it to be. And what we've seen over the last couple of days or a couple of weeks. So it is refreshing to have that settled and it might not be the greatest offensive line of all time, but I think it's pretty good. And that's what the bears need right now to be pretty good. And speaking of pretty good, Yannick Ngakwe, I like this player. I, I've wanted him on the team for quite some time. Though A couple of days ago, we were able to get the deal done. I really like this move. How did you like it? I know, listen, and I know Matt Everflus came out and said, like, he's going to play against the run, which, of, of course, he's going to say that. But I don't care. Like, sometimes you, you get a guy who's a specialist, and it, whether he's coming out of the bullpen or not, you never know what's going to happen. Like sometimes you need that specialist. And if he's going to come in there and put pressure on the quarterback, I'm here for it. I love this move. What did you think of us getting in geek uh, Yannick and Gakwe? It's an adjustment. I know. Um, no, I was, I was thrilled. I mean, this was the top pass rusher on the market. The fit just seemed, it seemed like it was inevitably going to get done, whether it was him or Justin Houston. But the fact that you got a 28 year old talented pass rusher who hasn't had less than eight sacks in his entire NFL career. He has the fifth most forced fumbles in his entire NFL career since 2016. He's only behind guys like, you know, Aaron Donald, Chandler Jones, Khalil Mack, couple, couple guys. They're okay. Um, but yeah, it shows he's like a true pass rusher and to get him on that one year deal, $10 million, the bears had money to spend. So that's yeah. not an issue. The the concern that people have brought up is that, well, he's been on a ton of teams here for the last few years. He's bounced around. And I read Tyler Dunn's uh, newsletter that he put out last year. The uh, He does this uh, Go Long site, and he had a fantastic interview with Ngakwe. And basically what happened was he detailed why he moved on from Jacksonville and Minnesota and Baltimore and all of that. And essentially, yes, there was a dispute with Jacksonville. He wanted that multi-year deal. They weren't going to give it to him. There was that public spat with Tony Khan. But when he got to Minnesota, they thought they were going to be contenders, and they weren't. And so Rick Spielman came to him and said, do you want to go to a contender? Because we'll let you go if you want. Like, we'll we'll give you that wish. And he said, you know what? I will. I, I want to do that. I want to play for a playoff team. 
So it goes to the Ravens. Didn't fit the defense. And he said, in hindsight, I should have stayed because that was better for my career. It just wasn't a good fit uh, scheme-wise with the Ravens. Nothing wrong with the culture or anything. Goes to the Raiders on a multi-year deal. Maybe, you know, does pretty well there with Max Crosby, but they feel like they upgrade with Chandler Jones now and see Ngakwe as expendable because they could use defensive back help. So they get Rock Yassine back. And now he goes to the Colts and then is a free agent again. It's just, it, it feels like there's been a few like wrong place, wrong time kind of deal in terms of like scheme and, you know, what teams are trying to get out of other players. So from talking to it and hearing other people who have covered him in uh, other areas, th- he doesn't seem to be a bad locker room guy overall. So I just, you know, for anyone who's concerned about the number of teams, I think that sort of dispels that. Of course, that's his, that's Ngakwe's side. But in terms of the fit, the Bears needed a mercenary pass rusher. And we can talk about the concern about the run, but the truth is he's actually better against the run, according to PFF, than Travis Gibson last year and Dominique Robinson. So it may not be much better, but they still upgraded with that. So that still says something. Um, And he seems motivated. He seems ready to go. Uh, Got to see him a little bit today. He wasn't doing team drills yet. They're still ramping him up. But just seeing his get off. It's such a quick get off. I'm excited to see what he does to David Bakhtiari week one, assuming he plays, because I really do think that he's going to come out of the, you know, come out off the line, literally firing and uh, taking down Jordan Love. But yeah, the, the, the fit was there. Um, it really seems like there was no locker room concerns or anything. They just wanted to see the, the years of the money potentially work. And it did. Yeah, the whole thing, and I, I'm a big Tony Khan fan. Everybody knows I like AEW. I like Tony Khan, and I think he's a good guy. And it was always, I don't know, it was always interesting to me that he had the public disputes with both Yannick Ngakwe and Jalen Ramsey. And it's like, God, mm-hmm. it's just a, it's such a shame that it never worked out for Jacksonville because Yannick was part of that 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 uh, Saxonville team that was so good that was a Miles Jack correct call away from going to the Super Bowl, and who knows what happens when they're playing the Philadelphia Eagles. So I, he's been a player that I've really been intrigued with for years. Even though he was he was, he was was sparring with Tony, I still kind of believed in him. And everything, as you said, it always kind of works out that way. I, I really didn't like it when he went to Minnesota. I was like, gosh, dang it. I know. I, I was like, I didn't like that at all. But thankfully, like you said, Minnesota blew at the time. And so uh, he had to get out of there. And Baltimore is such a weird place that as good as they are, like you really have to fit the mold of a uh, of a Ravens type of player, and of course, like Roquan Smith has done really well there, which is great for him. I'm not upset about that at all. It is interesting that he has the same statistics with the Ravens that he did with the Bears, but now all of a sudden he's the best line. Like he was, he was so like nobody said like whenever we went to talk about Roquan Smith, people thought we were idiots. Like, duh, he's not that good. Duh, shut up. Like he's not that good. Like he hey, just makes like, stats. He just makes tackles. That's it. Like he's he's a stat guy. <laughs> he's a stat guy. Yeah. Like because like we would be like you know what like long you know the long names of Buck Bill George, Dick Buckus, you know Mike Singletary, Brian Urlacher, Lance Briggs. Here comes Ro- oh no you're being stupid. How dare you? Like okay fine. Like oh all right. Apparently I don't know anything about football. And then he goes to the Ravens and you're like. Ah, no, what a great find this guy was like he's so good like he's doing the exact same thing he was doing in Chicago everybody like there's nothing there's no he's not done anything different than what he was doing before but you guys just and you know what I think it goes to 
Like this is the way we need the Bears franchise to start going once again is when you play for the Ravens, they just assume you're good. Like no matter what, yeah. like, oh, that guy's good. With the Bears, you're like, oh, that guy sucks. Like it just, it just, it's been, it's been that way. And it's something that we have to turn around and hopefully, you know, with what Ryan Poles has been able to do, hopefully it'll become one of those things like, well, if the Bears have him, he must, be. it's like when the Steelers draft a wide receiver, you're like, oh, he must be okay. Like, yep, you'll be fine. Uh, when George Pickens was drafted by the Steelers, I was like, son of a B of all the teams, <laughs> I didn't want him to go to the Packers and I didn't want him to go to the Steelers. Cause you're like, ah, the Steelers believe in him. Then that's, Oh God, he's probably yeah. going to be good. Uh, and even if he is, I think that as long as Kyler Gordon and uh, Jaquan Brisker continue to play well as they've played and as they've shown, I don't think, although Jaquan Brisker still owes us an interview. Uh, I've oh, tried to be. I've tried to be cool about it because we were playing in the Three Rivers Classic. The uh, the Washington Wild Things played host to this Cam Hayward charity softball game, and Jaquan Brisker was given my glove. Like, I was up batting, and I didn't realize somebody, because he's left-handed, and they're like, hey, here's a left-handed glove. I'm like, you gave him the one that's broken in because they gave us these brand-new Rawlings gloves. And I'm like, give him that one. Cause I obviously didn't want that one. I was going to keep my old one anyways, but I said, Hey brother, I go, uh, you're going to have to come on the show now. And he's like, bet, which I assume means good. Means yes. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to seem hip, but, uh, and saying hip means that you are not, but in any event, um, do you have time? Can you stick around for some fan questions or do you got to go? No, no, absolutely. I'm here. We don't want it. We don't want to, we, we don't want to keep you too long. I don't want to overstay. Uh, Lester last week. Oh, he had, he had to go. It's like, I gotta go. We appreciate him coming on. We appreciate anybody who's willing to take the time and join us here. So we do appreciate it. Did want to extend you. Uh, but Sammy, what about that? Do we have any questions from the crowd? Uh, Bruja seven, uh, the bears lost 12 games by allowing an average of 25, 26 points last season. Can this revamp defense hold teams under 30 points per game? Or will the offense need to score 30 points to win? I want to take this real quick and then I'll, I'll mm -hmm. kick it to you. Cause I, this is one of the things that you mentioned a moment ago that really seems encouraging to me when you were talking about chase Claypool, it was that the defense has been chirping. And I think that the defense knows that you got, you, you're, you were letting down Justin Fields. Like you guys really screwed him in a lot of games to the point of when Justin Fields once tried to apologize, the defense like, no, 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 we're not doing that. Uh, <laughs> we, we're, we have not, we have not supported you as we should. I actually like that the defense has been chirping and feeling themselves because like, I hope you feel good and I hope you play well. And if that's what it takes to get you to play better and feel better, I'm not going to be upset with it in any sense of the imagination. Chirp, do what you got to do. I kind of like that. How do you take that? And how good do you think that the defense could be this season? No, I had no issue with it whatsoever. And I liked it too, because Yes, even though the offense struggled, and we all want to root for the offense because the Bears never have had, you know, a consistent good offense in, you know, my lifetime. But it's two sides. And the defense was bad last year in a number of areas. And they've done a lot to revamp that, especially with the linebackers, TJ Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds, who at both, we haven't talked about them, they both look just like freaks of nature. And TJ yeah. Edwards made a great play when I was in camp a, a few days ago as well with an interception. Tremaine Edmonds as well, getting picks off uh, off deflections. But it just shows that this unit is growing together. And I'm really excited for – I'm working my way back here. The secondary, I think, could be one of the 
I don't want to say one of the best in football, but one of the most improved positions out there. Say it. I don't want to go that far yet because that's those are receipts. But I, I'm really excited about what the secondary can do. Jaquan Brisker has flashed every single practice that he's played. He has just an insane instinct for the ball and just to make a play. Playing with Eddie Jackson has helped as well. Kyler Gordon is settling in at the nickel position really, really well. I, I will make a bold prediction. I'm saying Kyler Gordon is going to lead the league in tackles for loss among defensive backs, or at least cornerbacks. Because this guy, they call him Spider-Man. He's got those spidey senses. He can sniff out a play at the line of scrimmage and drop a guy and just lead to a tackle for loss. Uh, Jalen Johnson looks good. I think Tyreek Stevenson and Terrell Smith, those two are battling. They've had their moments as well. I think the arrow's only pointing up on on Stevenson, but potentially Smith too. Um, it's, the front, it's the front four that's really going to be the big question. Now, we talked about Ngakwe. Demarcus Walker had a career year last year. Can he get better? They're improved. Um, so I think they can. To answer Bruja's question, shout out to him. He's a great dude. Um, I think they can improve to get there. So the offense doesn't necessarily need to score 30. They've revamped enough where it's going to be okay. And you look at the schedule, some of those offenses aren't that imposing. Yes, we have the Chiefs. Yes, the Chargers and all that. But Tampa Bay? What's the Packers offense going to look like? Washington is Carolina really going to be that good? Like, I don't want to like say the strength of schedule issue yet because we don't know what these teams are going to look like. But I I think this defense is going to be vastly improved. It but it also hinges on that front four and what they can do. You got to get pressure up the middle. I think like the two rookies and the guys and Justin Jones and all those guys. Like when you look at this defense, they got to get pressure underneath the quarterback get him off his feet get him out of his spots and when you look at some of those teams you're like this is where it's going to be a real problem now there's now there's really no defense for Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert but then when you look at some of the other quarterbacks that they're going to be facing like who knows like I I find it amusing that there was a Raiders fan in my mentions on Twitter I was talking about something that was unrelated to this and he he go oh you think the Bears are better than the the, the Raiders? I'm like, yeah, of course I do. Like, <laughs> have you seen your Raiders roster? Like, who is your quarterback? When the Bears play the Raiders, who is going to be the Bears quarterback? Is Jimmy Garoppolo still going to be healthy? Is it going to be Brian Hoyer? Is it going to be Tom Brady? I mean, it will probably be a former Patriot at some point. But good Lord. And I look at this, you know, and even with the thing with Jordan Love, and God bless it, uh, Carmen, I wish Carmen was here tonight because I want her to defend these takes about, like, She's like, if, if you think I'm insane and I don't want to, I don't want, I know she's not implying this, but like, whenever you see a throw in a scrimmage and you're like, that's Mahomes esque, like, just stop. We're not doing this. He's not yeah. Mahomes. He's just, he's just not. And he's made some, he's made some throws and it's fine. And it's one of the things like with uh, Jameer Gibbs made a great play against the, one of the giants linebackers today where he just smoked him, just ran right past him. And he's like, well, that guy's, I'm like, you know what? Sometimes. People make good plays, and it's fine to say that. But I think that we've got a defense that can go out there and make plays as well. And I think that the NFL model and one that the Bears are embracing right now is that you don't need a shutdown 85 Bears defense because that doesn't work in the modern NFL anymore. Any team that puts way too many resources onto the defensive side of the football is going to end up screwed. Just look at what happens to the commanders this year. You can't do that anymore. You can't you, the 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 margin of of error, like the margin of victory 
is so thin. Like we went through that in 2018. Mm -hmm. Like everything went perfect. You could not have asked for a better situation, a defense that wasn't getting injured, although Eddie Jackson got hurt before the playoffs started, but a defense that was relatively healthy, playing at the top of their game, dominating, and yet still it came down to a missed field goal. You can't, you got to have an offense that scores. So I think that the defense has got to go out there and like Kehaw saying, be a speed bump. Make a stop when you need to. That's what makes the Chiefs so good is that when they need to make big stops, they make it, and the offense can finish off the job, and I think that's what we're going to see out of the Bears moving forward, which was probably a longer answer than Hee-Haw. So you know Hee-Haw, good guy. Uh, Bruha, yeah, he's a, he's a follower of ours. Yeah, he uh, follows the podcast, follows me. Uh, great question. Is he only here because of you? All right, I don't, I, I don't know, but if he, you know what? I, I appreciate the question, man. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate him being here. I'm glad that he's, I mean, I'm, I hope he's subscribed. If you enjoy this, if you're here for Brandon and you're like, I've never heard of rank before and uh, you like what you've seen so far, please like, and subscribe to this podcast. We, uh, we appreciate it. And uh, we love to spread the, spread the wealth around as well. Uh, in any event, and go down to the Bear Down Chicago pod. If you've not listened to their podcast yet, I implore you to do it. It is one that I, it is a must listen. You guys still do Sunday nights, um, or at least you were during the off season. So yep, uh, go we, check them out. Yep, we just had our, uh, we're doing the NFC North preview. So we talked to some Vikings fans. We just had Jason Hirschhorn on from The Leap. Um, oh, yeah. doing the Packers. Yeah, so he he gave some great insight and analysis on what to expect from them. Um, measure takes from him, um, you know, unlike some Packers writers, you, you never know where that's going to go, but, uh, Jason was great. So definitely check out that episode if you can. And, uh, yeah, Ryan Dangle, Jack Wright, Patrick Sheldon, myself, Logan Bradley. Uh, and we got a big episode coming this week. I won't, I won't say who yet, but we have a, a former bear, uh, former oh. super, yeah, right. <laughs> we do have to get you back on though. It's been a while. Yeah. While, uh, Logan hasn't been on. That's the one I, we got to get Logan on. Yeah, Logan's he's, Logan's great. He's he's doing he's doing baseball stuff right now. You know, I know he's that'll be my that. excuse. That'll be my excuse. Like, <laughs> oh, you're doing baseball. I can't get you on. Uh, but what about how you sent me? How about another question? By the way, uh, whoever the former Bears, but is it Matt Forte? It is not. I'll give you a hint though. It's a 2006 Bear Super Bowl Bear. Okay. Ooh, all right. Uh, Adam, what do you think about bringing JT to this team? Would a third rounder get him from the Colts? You know, this is interesting because. We talked about this last week, and I don't mind revisiting again. You don't have to watch every minute of every show. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to repeat this, and I still feel the same way. And a lot of people online were like, they think I'm insane, but I'm like, I, I think we're good. Like, I, I like Jonathan Taylor. I like him as a ball player. I think he's fine, but I think we're cool. And I know that a lot of people are like, we got to surround Justin Fields with as much talent as possible. I think that we have. I think we've, we've put together a pretty good roster. I mean, we were talking about all the wide receivers. We did not talk about Cole Komet getting extended, Bob Tunyon coming in, but we still have three pretty good backs. Khalil Herbert is capable. Deontay Foreman, I think, is a good player, and uh, we'll see what happens with Roshan Johnson. And so I feel comfortable enough to where, like, we don't need to start – not, and it's not throwing away because Jonathan Taylor is a good player. But at the same time, it's like I think we're okay. I, I think that we're – I don't think that we need to make that move right now. I think we can win with the guys that we have. I'm curious, Brendan, what you think of that. Uh, should we make a move for jo uh, Jonathan Taylor? If this was fantasy football and you can just, you know, throw out the extensions, throw out the draft picks and just say like, yeah, we want the best players on our team. Absolutely. But in the real world, I say no. 
And unfortunately, I mean, I don't know if a third round pick gets it done. I don't know what the Colts situation is. He's still rehabbing, by the way, too, for whatever. There's mixed messages coming out of Colts camp. We don't know exactly how healthy Jonathan Taylor is. But when you trade for him, you're going to have to give up compensation. You're going to have to pay him. And you're going to have to make sure that he's healthy. And yes, he's probably he would be easily the best back in this Bears backfield. That there's no question about that. But there's a lot of unknown as well. Can Khalil Herbert take that step and become an RB one, and you know improve with his pass protection? Can Deontay Foreman kind of fill that David Montgomery role as just that bruising back? And then what is Roshan Johnson going to do? I'm much more in, in this scenario. I'm much more willing to roll the dice with one of those three players really taking hold of of that position and being a good runner because look this Bears team was a fantastic rushing team last year yes Justin Fields did a lot of it on his own but Khalil Herbert led all running backs in yards per carry with 5.7 you don't do that by accident Mm -hmm. Deontay Foreman had a career year and he probably would have had a thousand yards if he even just played a little bit more than McCaffrey when McCaffrey was on the Panthers and then we, we just don't know what Johnson's going to bring, but he's promising. So, I, yeah, I just wouldn't make the move now. If the Bears were, let's say, a year down the road and we saw what they could do and they were maybe like a fringe playoff team that we knew about and they just needed to get the running game right, absolutely. But at right now, I'm, I'm not doing that. It's funny, too, because and I've mentioned this before. Foreman, five games last year where he topped 100 rushing yards, and that's in limited time. Christian McCaffrey was there for the first, what, seven games of the season. Mm-hmm. The Bears as a team had five games where they had a runner top 100 rushing yards. Justin Fields was three of those. Herbert was one. David Montgomery was one. So I, I, I feel pretty good about it. And we still have to extend Jalen Johnson. We still probably want to pay perhaps Darnell Mooney and Chase Claypool. I think one of the great things that Ryan Poles has done is when he front-loaded Cole Komet's deal, I think that kind of gave a blueprint of something that he could do with these other guys because we still have a lot of money to spend. And since we didn't really reach the cap or get to the cap this year, like why not put a lot of the money into this year and then move it on? I mean, we had the 10 exactly. million for Yannick, which is great. And I think like we're, you now look at it and you're like, okay, we're, we're, we look like a, a, a good organization. Like we look like a sharp organization because we had all that money. And we didn't go crazy. We didn't spend all that money for McGlinchey, who, and I'm not even sure that McGlinchey is going to be better than Darnell Wright. And at least not three years from now, we'll look at those deals and say like, well, was it better to pay McGlinchey or better to use the 10th overall selection and get a fourth round pick and get Darnell Wright? We're starting to look like a competent organization and an organization like the Chiefs. Would the Chiefs make this move? The Chiefs of all teams could use Jonathan Taylor, perhaps. But I mean, like they win with Jet McKinnon and Isaiah Pacheco. They don't. They don't need that. And so I would look at it the, the same way. Like, yeah, we don't need that. We're good. We we've got our guy. As long as our quarterback is good, I think we're going to be in good shape. So again, it's a nice idea. If this was Madden franchise mode, let's go for it. But in the real world, I think we have better places to put our resources. We've got a team that I think we can believe in. And uh, as an Angels fan, the trade deadline doesn't always mean that you're going to improve your team. Uh, okay, like, how about another question, though? Uh, question for Adam. On a scale of 1 to 10, how much help will the upgraded receiving core help the offensive line? I think it will kind of mask some of the deficiencies. I think that, you know, one of the things that, you know, when you're Justin Fields last year and you kind of feel the pressure, 
you were number one looking to kind of save yourself. And then you look downfield for a second. And you're like, yeah, none of these guys. Equinemius St. Brown's not getting open. And if he is, he's going to play volleyball with it like he's Sinjin Smith. But I think with having DJ Moore, it, at, especially at the X position, is like you could just trust him. And you know, like you, you've seen the memes, like bleep it. DJ Moore's there somewhere. I think there's something to be said about that and having that kind of receiver. So I think it helps. Like everything helps. Having good receivers helps the offensive line, helps you get rid of the ball quicker. Having trust in receivers makes the offense move smoother. And lo and behold, when things start moving, moving smoother, you're like, oh yeah, it is like it is nicer. Oh, maybe the offensive line isn't that terrible. Uh, I think everything helps out everything. And so yeah, having an upgrade at the wide receiver position and looking at the room now vastly helps everybody in all facets of the offense. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, and I think, uh, you know, Devin, it's a great question. Um, I, I'd say if you're asking for like a number one, one to 10, I'll say five. Uh, oh yeah. He was going yeah. for a number. I would say five as well. Okay, cool. So yeah, many, for many of the same reasons you just laid out, I mean, you're not having to worry about guys getting wide open and having trusted receivers you can throw more into traffic and truck uh trust that they're actually going to be able to come down with the ball and not all sacks are created equally i think if you go back and watch what the bears did last year there were times when the offensive line actually gave fields enough time but guys just simply weren't getting open equinemia st brown at times couldn't run a curl route and dante pettis he was limited with his uh with his abilities so being able to trust a lot of those guys you can get rid of the ball faster move the chains um, it, it definitely, you know, it helps everybody and vice versa, obviously having, you know, better offensive line helps the receivers cause they can get open. So, um, it's not, yeah, it's not the end all be all, but it's definitely going to help. Yeah. And you got to remember too, we're, we're looking at two tackles that are a second year player from Southern Utah and a first year player, even though he's coming from Tennessee, you know, still a rookie, you know, so it'll help, but where's it? It's all got to kind of work together, but I think it'll be a good situation all the way around. All right, Sammy, how about another question? Do we have another one uh, before we get ready to close out here? And by the way, once again, a reminder for anybody who's just recently joined us, we will be uh, we will be broadcasting on Saturday. I might ask them if we could do one of those things where we watch along. I don't know, but at the very least, we'll be on after the game uh, with the Chicago Bears. They play it. What do they play? Is it 1 Eastern? I don't know. Yeah, it should be noon Central. 10, 10 Pacific, yeah. So, um trying to figure that out were there any other questions sammy if not it's no big deal gosh dang it uh as rank as a white Sox fan i understand football can't get here fast enough uh who's your breakout rookie this year if we're talking about the if we're talking about the chicago bears i'm gonna say that i love the idea let's just keep it to the bears yeah i love the idea of tyreek stevenson being a player and you know i've started to go back and this is something that draft dr phil talked about the last time we were on together we're either here or on the uh, keep it at 100 show is that when you look at Stevenson at Miami, he's still a pretty good player. But I think what Ryan Poles did is went back and discovered the player who was at Georgia. And, you know, you talk about a player who probably should have stayed where he was, um, learning that lesson. When you look at his athleticism, you're like, the Bears might have really uncovered one here. And I really love that. I know they traded up for him in the second round, but I think that he is a great talent. And the more I go back and watch him play at Georgia, I'm like, oh my God, if this guy can develop, you you mentioned it earlier. Like you were you stopped yourself from saying that this could be one of the top defenses or secondaries in the NFL, but there is going to be a lot of talent on that defensive secondary to where I, like you, feel very confident with it. 
But who on this team is a rookie? Let's keep it to the Bears. Yeah. Um, I will tell you as well, if I'm looking at the um, I will give you one outside of the outside of the Bears. Uh, if Zach Charbonnet can stay healthy, Kenneth Walker is on our S list uh for what he did with the uh at the Cam Hayward celebrity softball tournament. Like that's one thing if you blow us off, you're blowing off Cam Hayward. Oh, um, he didn't show up. He didn't show up. He had well, because you know, he's battling injuries now. I actually had the yeah. scoop. Um, he he blamed the injuries. And there's there's uh there's Britt Baker who's struggling with the back injury, who is not cleared by AEW doctors to go out there and play softball. She got on a plane, got to Pittsburgh. She was not gonna miss it. Um, so I like Zach Charbonneau, Charbonnet, Charbonneau. I don't know. Um yeah. So what about you? Pick a bear. And if you have one outside of the bears, who are you looking at? All right. I'll just, I'm not going to pick him because I think it's a good pick, but uh, with Stevenson, somebody's going to have to get those targets in terms of, you know, covering wide receivers. Are they right. really going to throw at Jalen Johnson? A lot of the times they left him kind of on an Island in certain games, Kyler Gordon. I don't know how much, I mean, obviously like all guys are going to get their targets, but I think Stevenson's going to get picked on and he's going to come down with some of those like 50, 50 balls. Um, so I'm excited to see him play. But my breakout is Javon Dexter. Now, there's been some mixed uh, reports and kind of, you know, some days he's getting through the offensive line and he's wreaking havoc. Other times you've probably heard about his get off. It's not as uh, fast or as quick as as it needs to be. But he's making plays, just blowing up interiors of the offensive line. He had one today where I believe it was Tevin Jenkins. He blew past, would have had a sack. Um, he's really coming on strong and he's, he's motivated. He had a great quote about just, you know, my, I want my legacy here to be uh, my number in the rafters. And yeah. of course, well, bears aren't probably retiring any more numbers, but I love the sentiment that that's what you're going for. Um, I really think he's going to be a guy who's going to get those situational uh, rushing opportunities, potentially as a one tech, maybe, maybe a three. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how Alan Williams wants to use him, but I think he's definitely going to come down with, with some of the, he's going to blow up some of those uh, plays in the interior of the offensive line. And I think we're going to look back and say, that was a really good pick. Yeah. I, I believe the same thing. I, I liked, I liked all those picks, especially in the second round. And uh, some of those guys, again, it, it depends on, you know, when you look at film or when you look at statistics and you're like, well, this guy didn't produce, but you have to remember what Florida was asking him to do. And it wasn't, you know, it, it's not a, it's not an eye popping statistic driven position at that university. So uh, that'll be a lot of fun. But in any event, uh, I want to thank you uh, for being here, for spending some time with us here this evening. Uh, once again, to put over the bear down Chicago pod, they're going to be having Olin Krutz on. That's my guess. <laughs> that's just my, that's just my guess. I don't know. I have no, he won't tell me uh, if it's Devin Hester. Oh, that would be a good get too. Oh. It's not Hester, unfortunately, but no, we're, we're excited though. And it'll be a fun recap after the uh, preseason game as well. We're, we're all itching to get there. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. We're going to be doing a cross promotion with our sick podcast from Tennessee. Uh, it'll be, it'll be fun because I'll be able to check. Uh, Cause I'll give a little critique for the Tennessee Titans. I don't know how much the, Deandre Hopkins is going to play, but it'll be fun to kind of see. They're going to have their, one of their assistant coaches out there. Yeah. They're like, listen, they know that Mike Vrabel's a good coach. So like, we're, we're fine. Let's get one of these. And it's also a good showcase, you know, for some of these coordinators to get an opportunity to go out there and show what they can do to get a head start in the next coaching cycle. 
but we'll also be able to get some insight from the Tennessee fans to kind of see, you know, like maybe, you know, how they feel about some of our players. So it'll be pretty interesting uh, to go out and do that. But um, yeah, that's it. That's what we got. Anything else? Anything else I need to promote? Uh, you can read my work uh, at bearswire.com. Uh, just put out like some ob- observations. I talked about many of them that we talked about today. Um, uh, last thing I'll say in terms of observations, uh, as well as Justin Fields' improved mechanics, talking about the the ball coming out livelier. I should have mentioned, I think his his mechanics tweet uh, tweaks have done well with that. Cairo Santos looked good today. He's the Ooh. lone kicker. So I no issues with the kicker today. That's always a good note to end on. Um, but yeah, follow me on bears at bearswire.com, um, as well as our entire staff. Uh, we're putting out content every single day. And then of course, as you mentioned a few times, uh, the bear down Chicago podcast, uh, we have episodes every Sunday and yeah, we just can't wait for the season and really appreciate you having me on, on as always, Adam. Uh, the pleasure is all on this side of the microphone. We appreciate you doing it. And for everybody who is here tonight, if you enjoyed the show, be sure to comment using the word sick. If you've not subscribed to the channel, please do. And of course, if you're listening to us as a podcast, like, subscribe, rate, all that good stuff. We appreciate you being here. We'll be joining you on Saturday at some point, talking about the Bears, Titans. Looking forward to that. So for Brendan, for Anello and Sammy, bear down. And uh, Sammy, go ahead and play us out. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. Brought to you by Underdog Fantasy.